Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name's Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I talked to John Dykstra about the recession. I guess we call it a recession now, and generally the downturn in some of the, the just crazy stuff that's going on with COVID-19 and how he's dealing with it in his business. So he cut some costs. He talks about planning for recessions, and we talk about pivoting and just adapting in general. It's always good to catch up with John. He puts out a ton of content. He's an excellent writer. He, If you haven't heard his other episodes, I definitely encourage you to check those out. They are very informative and you know it's just interesting to see how we have to shift and change you know what we're doing so from my perspective which i guess i'll i'll chat a little bit about what i've been working on too funny thing with the amazon sites a lot of us see more traffic on our sites and people are buying more stuff from amazon however we've talked about it a couple times but basically amazon cut the commission rate on April 21st. So it's been a dramatic change and people are still trying to, you know, figure out exactly what that means. And one thing that I needed to do and that I've, I just finished it up this morning when I'm recording this is I've added three new units to my course, five figure niche site to help address and give people strategies, especially if they're already earning money from Amazon. So I'm, I've laid out a few ideas and those are just available to any of the students that are already enrolled. This episode is brought to you in part by Ezoic, and Ezoic is going to be part of those strategies for getting more revenue out of the existing traffic and the existing content that you have. The cool part with Ezoic versus just running AdSense on your site, for example, is Ezoic has the ability to test what ads work best, the number of ads, where the placement of ads in, if you are just running AdSense, if you're just putting snippets of code in certain areas where you know you want to show ads or you think would be good to show ads, say above the fold after the second paragraph or something like that, it could be good. But you have no idea if a smaller ad or moving that ad down a couple paragraphs would be more beneficial. The AI behind Ezoic allows you to test all that stuff, but without doing any anything or setting up complicated tests. It's all on the back end on Ezoic. So they also have a site speed accelerator, which really, really helps boost your Google page insight speed score. Did I say speed twice? That That term does not roll off the tongue, but We'll call it PSI, Page Speed Insights. So anyway, the Site Speed Accelerator does a great job to boost those scores, and it's very simple to set up. Very simple to set up. A couple checkboxes, and you're good to go. I think I mostly kept the defaults, and it just sped up one of my sites by a crazy amount. Okay, with that said, I'm going to send it over to the interview with John. Definitely check out some of his courses. He has these very nice bite-sized courses that you can take if you want to learn about that specific topic. So the courses that I've, I typically work on are these huge like flagship transformational situations and they're a lot more expensive 
They are a bigger time commitment and they are transformational. Johns are transformational in a smaller sense. So if you want to learn more about display ads, for example, there's a course just on that. Correspondingly, they're much cheaper. So I'll put links in the description. I encourage you to check it out. I am a an affiliate for John, and I know a ton of people that have taken the courses based on my recommendation, and they are very happy with it. Many times they are repeat buyers. Okay, and at the end, I will tell you a little bit about some things coming up with me and what you could look out for, including that addition that I'm making to Five Figure Niche site. There's a couple interesting things that I want to note on that as well. So I'll see you on the other side. Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here, and I'm with my friend, John Dykstra. How are you today? Hey, doing well, Doug. Thanks for having me. And longtime friend of the show, and I just wanted to catch up with you because COVID-19 has recently impacted basically everyone in the world. It's impacted our business models. News just came out yesterday at the time that we're recording this. The Amazon is changing their commission rate, so it's making my world explode a little bit. But you had a lot of great information on you know, what you were doing to sort of deal with this sort of thing in recessions. So huge topic, but can you kind of give us an idea how your business has been impacted so far? Yeah, sure. Well, most of my revenue is ad-related. Rather, I know this whole Amazon thing is just sort of uh, twisting the knife in the current situation. Uh, but most of my revenue is ad revenue. And March March was okay, but, you know, the cracks were starting to appear. And I'm telling you, April 1, and wow, what a drop in ad revenue. Like, it was start of Q2, pretty much all the advertisers just pulled the plug on, on any spending. And uh, ad revenue just plummeted. So that was an adjustment. And, it, and so basically... One thing that's really great about this business is a lot of our expenses are really variable in that we can we can cut them fairly quickly. And so I I was I was forced to do that. I don't like doing it. I essentially the main main cost I cut back on fairly quickly was the content cost. So I view that more as an investment. So the next month or two, I'm just going to have lower investment in content for the future. Uh, that's just the way it has to be. So be it. I'm still investing in some content, just not like I have been in the last six months. And unfortunately, that's the biggest expense. The rest are pretty minimal. I mean, as you know, I was like, I, I still am amazed, like really the low cost barriers to entry to get into this. Like when you look at what the cost of hosting is and the benefit you get and all the stuff you need, which isn't much to get a site up and running, really minimal cost. And that's great for us because it gives us a lot of flexibility to deal with these situations. Uh, so yeah, definitely impacted. Now Amazon uh, commission drop, also somewhat impact, not not like the ad revenue bit. But I know I've talked to people who are very big on the, you know, focus a lot on Amazon and they've been impacted big time. And my sympathies out to them. It's, it's a really t- tough situation to deal with. Definitely. And I want to point out for people that maybe haven't followed your blog, John, that you do publish income reports pretty thorough and specific about what you're spending on tools or content and that sort of thing. So we'll put a link so folks can find all that information. But um, I know you were spending a pretty significant amount on content per month. What did you go, say, from 
the average of the first few months this year in 2020 versus what you're planning the next quarter or so? Yeah, sure. Well, first couple months this month, uh, uh, this year, I went a little crazy. I was topping, I don't know, 14, 15,000 a month on content. That includes uh, VAs and, uh, no, no, sorry, it doesn't include that. Um, in-house writers and buying products to review products. Probably do less of that now with Amazon. I don't know if that's going to pay off anymore. But uh, so, yeah, it was the whole gamut. And then uh, I've slashed it down to this month, probably going to be, well, I know March was around 4,500, 5,000. So, so big, big drop, probably going to be similar this, this month as well. Four or 5,000. Okay. And f- from your perspective, how much do you think that will impact your future earnings since you mentioned it's an investment for the future? Do you know when you may see either a leveling off or a drop or whatever is going to happen with your revenue in the future? Yeah, no, I've thought a lot about this. First off, I think first, well, first I should say I've rolled up my sleeves. I'm, I'm actually really digging in on some of my niche sites. I haven't been putting out as much on fat stacks and, and just focusing more on my because my main business are my niche sites fat stacks is where i sort of just go on and tell you what what i'm doing and so sometimes some months not a lot happening on fat stacks because i'm busy and other months i have a lot of free time and i go on and on so anyway right now i'm really rolling up my sleeves i'm, I'm actually writing some content again uh, it's i've been viewing it as an opportunity to do some fine tuning uh, a lot of experimenting i've tried I've basically launched into two new monster silos or clusters, uh, you know, a term of basically tightly connected articles within the site, kind of a sub, sub, subtopic within the site. And I've launched a few of those and I've been setting up the prototypes and, and trying different ways to present them on the site and doing a lot of keyword research. Basically, it's been an opportunity for me to really just dig in and look for opportunities to improve what I've been what I've been doing. Uh, going back, improving some old content. This is a great opportunity for that. If you're cutting back on producing new content, take the chance to go back and, and improve old content. You can get, get some really big gains doing that, and I have. And so that's what I'm focusing on right now. That's my game plan to deal with this situation. And I also I, – so I don't think there's going to be a long-term real drop in terms of potential growth because this the, these are growth activities that I'm that I'm doing right now. And uh, it's, yeah, I've actually been enjoying it. There's some good opportunities that I've uh, hopefully going to tap into. If one of them work out, it's totally worth it. So I've talked to other people who are kind of doing the same thing, some colleagues, you know, with big sites. And they've definitely eased up on the content ordering and are taking the time to go back and improve things. So it seems to be something that a lot of people are are doing, doing to deal with the situation. I like your optimistic attitude just in general. And I think it's similar to what, you know, I've, I've mentioned a lot of folks feel like the sky is falling. They're, they're panicking quite a bit. And it's interesting to me because I know a number of them, they're making good money, but it could just be, you know, a few hundred dollars to maybe up to a thousand dollars per month where you and I are, you know, there's a little more. There's several more zeros in the end, but there's a little more on the line, but. Like either we can't lose any hair, any more hair than we already have. So we just have to to look look at this in a positive light. And in a lot of ways, constraints are opportunities to come up with new ideas to do stuff. So 
I mean, your example is perfect. You were publishing a ton of content. You spent, what did you say? Like something like 14,000 per month for a little while on an average ballpark. And that's quite a bit. And now you have a constraint. You need to pull the reins in a little bit and you're actually doing some more writing yourself. So that's, that's cool. And I think it'll bring creativity to the way we're going to solve problems and just the new market. Do you have any thoughts on, on that? I find, uh, you know, there have been, there have been times over the years, especially with my biggest niche site where I've essentially, I almost abdicated. I basically just handed it to a a project manager and said, Ryan, I wouldn't even look at it. And I think that that's not a smart thing to do. Things get out of hand. Mistakes are made. I think opportunities are, are missed. So it's my practice now to always sort of at least check in once a day or, or every other day at a minimum, check check what's getting published, spot check things, view things, and then really dig in here and there and look for opportunities. Check out what other sites in the, in the vertical are doing. Uh, just sort of pay attention to what's going on. Just look at things. And that's how you're going to spot the opportunities. And there have, you know, there have been six month periods where I've just basically didn't even look at the site. I just let other people run it and mistakes are made. And I'm not saying it can't be done. And I'm, I'm not saying that the site would have been ruined as a result of that. I just think I'm probably going to enjoy more growth by staying involved and thinking about it and coming up with strategies. Uh, for instance, uh, I've had some really good success with Pinterest lately this year and I'm not the only one this is nothing that I've um, you know I've worked on some strategies that work within my niche that have worked out really well seems like Pinterest is having this really nice resurgence with their whole focus on fresh pins and I think if you play ball with what they want I think there's really big opportunity there and I've, I've more than doubled my traffic from Pinterest within a couple months which is pretty significant I'm very happy about that but that took me really paying attention again, really digging in, taking a look at what's going on, trying things, and then, okay, well, I think I've figured out a system that I think is working and some good ideas. Now I can hand it off to some people to just run with it. And um, so that's worked out well as well. Can you expand on the Pinterest stuff? I know some of the recent news that I heard was from people that lost traffic from Pinterest. And I think the algorithm change or whatever change on the Pinterest side impacted them in a negative way, but it sounds like you, you were doing what they wanted everyone to be doing. So can you tell us about that? Pinterest is interesting. I basically ran Pinterest passively for years. I, you know, I would have a, people would visit the site and they would pin to their boards and I would get traffic that way. I didn't really pin a whole lot proactively myself. I didn't really understand it. I didn't really get it. I never looked into it. And then early this year, I noticed some nice little spikes in traffic from Pinterest, and that really piqued my um, interest to look more. So what I did is sort of reading up on it. And yeah, you're right. Pinterest has changed things. I think it was earlier than this year. I'm not sure the exact dates. But it basically, Pinterest really wants people to pin fresh content, fresh pins, new images. It used to be the practice people would repin successful pins over and over and over maybe to different boards and so forth and keep them on top of the feed or however that worked that apparently is no longer recommended and basically my practice is i will add a new pin it will be a fresh image it'll be a totally new description and i will pin it to one board and that's it and that's all i'm doing 
Now, beyond that, I experiment with the images, a lot of different images and designs and so forth. And, and that's going to be very niche specific, I think, in terms of what works best there. But it seemed so basically Pinterest is like back when Google said no duplicate content. Google wants fresh content, good content, high quality content that people like. It seems like Pinterest has followed suit, but from an image perspective. And that's what they want. They want fresh content that people want. They don't want regurgitated or duplicate stuff getting pinned over and over and over. So um, having really worked with search engines most of my online business life here, um, the concept of trying to keep things fresh on Pinterest was, was sort of a natural fit rather than some of the previous algorithms that Pinterest was working. I never really did figure those out, but I didn't try all that hard either. It was, I think right now Pinterest has some great opportunities, but I do uh, encourage you to read up on some of the more recent, you know, late 2019 or 2020 blog posts from people who seem to know what they're talking about. There's good info out there about it. Very good. Yeah. I never got into Pinterest myself, (laughs) tested a few things and had some qualified folks helped me out and it never really, you know, pulled in the traffic like I expected. So I eventually pulled the plug and went back to content, something that we both, you know, are comfortable pushing. So very cool. Well, I saw a YouTube video recently by income school, uh, very smart guys, Jim and Ricky, and they were talking about the battleship method. And I was like, ah, that's, that's pretty cool. Like, have you tried it before? Just curious if you've experimented or testing anything like it. Yeah. I saw the same video. I was like, yeah, I've been, um, yeah, right away. I, I've been doing that for at least 2016. I think even before anyways, I've blogged about the concept and it, it's a very effective concept. In fact, it's something I, I, still focus on to this day as a strategy in terms of, let's face it, when you when you enter in a niche, and most of us are in bigger rather than smaller niches, and we want to grow big sites, there's literally dozens, maybe hundreds of subtopics you could hit at any given point within any niche. Let's take uh, automobiles as an example. I mean, so many subtopics within there, right? Where do you start? And you know, the whole concept behind what they're talking about that I've been doing for a number of years now is is really once – at first you have to experiment. You just throw a bunch of stuff against the wall, but then you want to see what sticks. And, and eventually, Google is going to have some of your content perform better than others. And when you see that happen, when you see a post all of a sudden start getting way above average traffic – now, it doesn't have to be a lot of traffic. It just – relative to what – you, you have published your other articles. One's going to be a standout, maybe two. And you look at that topic and you, and, and you say, okay, well, there's an opportunity. That's the topic I want to, I want to go deep on and then, and then hit it hard and, and interlink and everything and create a really good, whatever you want to call it, a silo, a cluster, a series, whatever. You hit that topic really hard and go deep because Google's told you, hey, I, I like what you did with this one article on this topic. And so it's kind of a no-brainer. Now, now the guesswork is gone, and it's really effective. And I, I do that over and over and over. So it's it's really simple. It takes a lot of the guesswork out. It's very effective. Okay. So and just to quickly summarize, you find a broad topic. Maybe you find some low competition keywords. However you do it, there's a lot of different ways. You publish content. You see what's working, and then you do more of what's working. Exactly. And that is uh, very common on YouTube as well. And you can look through 
the whatever hundreds of videos that I have at this point, and you'll see, oh, Doug did a video on keyword research, and then he did like 150 others on keyword research or whatever. <laughs> and y- you will see that by YouTubers all the time. You find something that works, you obviously hopefully know something about it and you could like hit it hard. I assume you could probably find that in other search engines that are out there, whatever search engine you're working with. I'm not saying it works with Pinterest or Amazon or whatever, but there's, I mean, search engines kind of work in a similar way. So. Yeah. No, good point on, good point on YouTube. I'm not much of a YouTuber, so I, I can't really talk to that, but yeah, I'm not surprised that you've, you've had similar results with it. And, you know, big tangent here, but I mean, your YouTube channel is pretty good. I know there's a little, we've talked off, off, off the record before, you know, it's a little more work on YouTube and I make it look easy. I know, but I have to compliment you. I know the people can't see this if they're listening to the podcast, but John is color coordinated. His shirt, he's wearing a collared shirt, like an actual professional and his screen saver, his wallpaper back there, beautiful mountain scene. You match, man. I don't, you didn't do it on purpose, but <laughs> thumbs up from me. That's uh, some fashion sense and good design. I broke my A game today, man. <laughs> <laughs> so swinging back to kind of the recession we're dealing with, did you, plan for a recession in the coming years. We've been on, you know, bull market for years and you and I have been working online roughly the same amount of time where it's been sort of a, you know, a huge amount of growth over the years. So were you planning for any kind of weird thing to happen? Did you have a war chest sitting there? Are you just adaptable because our margins are ridiculously high? Yeah, I would... You know, I, I I wasn't I would never I wouldn't have been surprised you know if there would have been a somewhat significant stock market drop. Not that I follow it that carefully, just because, like you say, it's it's been a good run for a number of years, and other other factors I uh, won't go into because I really don't know much about it. But um, in terms of it being so widespread that it would hammer ad revenue to the degree that it has, no, it never crossed my mind. I don't think a run of the mill recession that would let's say drop, you know, correct a stock market, let's say 20%, you know, and then it would carry on like it normally does, would impact ad revenue industry anywhere close to what it has. And so, no, I wasn't anticipating that at all. It, in fact, I would probably have the blinders on longer than some colleagues who I would talking to come in February, March. I wasn't really thinking huge, huge drop. Um, I thought there'd be some drop. And in March, I sort of saw some cracks coming. But when April came, it was significant. It was big, big, big. And I didn't I didn't really expect that that would happen. But like you say, we have huge margins, which is really nice. And that gives us I mean, let's face it. You know, if you're brick and mortar and you're closed down, it's game over. I mean, I, I just c- couldn't fathom. I feel really bad for millions of business owners because there's nothing they can do about it. Like they don't, they don't have a choice. They closed down, and they still have expenses, a lot of expenses. And so, regardless of whatever setbacks we've had, uh, I'll tell yourself, I'm, I'm very, very grateful that we can, you know, we're still in business as, as to the degree that we are. But uh, yeah, no, I didn't really see it coming. Yeah, I, I agree basically with what you said. I mean, I expected some what of a downturn, maybe something more typical, something more normal that we see every 
whatever, eight to 15 years, something like that. But yeah, this is obviously a, a much bigger deal. So I don't know how it'll shake out in the end, but I know, you know, we, we both have sort of different business models for our bread and butter, but we have our internet marketing blogs and people that have affiliate sites or ad based informational sites or e-commerce or, or whatever. Like we've developed skills in SEO, content marketing, web design, just generally learning how to market things, which will be skills that are highly marketable in the future. And it may be tough for people to start a business like right now, but I think people that are hungry enough and they're dedicated and stubborn and they stick with it, if they could start a business right now, they're going to have some impressive business at the end when things swing around, whether it's two months or two years or whatever. So, you know, it may be a tough time for people to get started, but at the same time, I think people are at home a little bit more. They are locked <laughs> yeah. down. They, yeah. They're not wasting time in their, in their uh, commute. So they may be able to, you know, get some things going that they, they didn't have the time for previously. So it's a good point. Yeah. I, I definitely wouldn't let this be a reason not to start, uh, mainly because it takes a year to get any real momentum going anyway, if you're starting like right from scratch right now. So th this is, this should not be any reason to, you know, stop you from going forward. Very good. And for the people, I mean, a lot of our audience are sort of, uh, you know, getting started, maybe intermediate to advanced. Do you have any advice for them to, you know, weather the storm? I know you mentioned, you know, you were able to cut costs, but let's say someone is still working, they're working from home and, you know, they're not sure what to do with their site that was making you know, $1,500, $2,000 per month, a nice way for them to save some money. So any tips? Oh, well, are you, are you, are you talking the Amazon situation or just the, the lower ad revenue? Because I think they're very different in, in the outlook. Yes. So let's hit, let's hit the ad revenue first and then we can branch out. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I think keeping in mind it's temporary. Uh, and like you say, we don't know if it's two months. We don't know if it's six months or a year, but it is temporary. It is going to improve. I suspect by the end of this year, the ad rates are going to return to much higher levels. Will they, will they be like 2019? I don't know. That that would be unlikely. Uh, November, December ad rates last year were ridiculous. Like, uh, it was just unbelievable. Uh, so uh, maybe not that. But, you know, it is temporary. So So carry on. And I mean, you know, here here's the other thing. If 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 you were if if your revenue took a hit to the point where you know making ends meet is impossible, um, and, and I did this when I started, I, I I freelanced to to pay the bills, and there's always freelancing, and you can jump in, and if you have a, a skill, whether it's writing or proofreading or editing or transcribing or graphic design or something, that you can do better than the average person, go out there and you know. Get some service work because you get paid right away, and it and it's really good. And you're not you're not going to get rich from it. You're not going to get huge hourly rates, but you will get some cash flow going on. And and I did that for some time when I transitioned into full time online, and and it worked really well because it gave me flexibility to work on what on this at the same time still having cash flow. So that that's one suggestion. And I think there are 
still a lot of people hiring and, and paying freelancers. It's the market's probably not as good as it was four months ago. I recognize that. So it may be harder, but uh, there is a market for it still. Very good. And to shift to the Amazon situation. So for the people that aren't aware, Amazon cut their commission rates fairly significantly, pretty short notice. And, <laughs> you know, from, from my perspective, yeah, short notice, they gave us one week notice. And from my perspective, I know, you know, my business model was built very much on, you know, Amazon. There's a lot of other options out there, but one observation I have before I, I send it to you, John, cause I know a couple of great tips that you're going to give. Um, I think your ad based, um, sites may be more valuable now because of supply and demand and the Amazon sites instantly are losing value, especially for people that maybe were going to sell them or folks that were going to acquire them. If there's a deal in play right now and there's a buyer out there, I mean, I'm imagining they're pulling the plug and losing their earnest money and like that's a much better uh, route. So for people that have Amazon sites, John, what what tips can you give them? Yeah, a few things. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, there, there's no easy solution. If, if 80% of your revenue is Amazon, I mean, whatever I say is not going to sit well with you. I, I recognize that. Uh, I would, if you've never ran, ran display ads on your site, I, I would encourage you to at least try it. You might be surprised about how much revenue they actually get. I know a lot of people who do affiliate think affiliates to be all and end all, and it can be extraordinarily lucrative. I, I recognize that. But I I think a lot of people don't recognize that display ads can ac actually also be more lucrative than you think. So give it a shot. You, you, if you're disappointed, you don't like it, you haven't really lost out. Uh, the other thing is is to – now, again, this doesn't sit well, but m maybe there's another really good merchant. And, again, you might be pleasantly surprised. Maybe there's a merchant within the, the sector that you're in that will deliver big time for you that you, you never tried because Amazon is so easy. Amazon's like the low-hanging fruit. It's like, oh, I need to uh, – Put an affiliate link to a pair of sneakers. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I can do that in about two seconds with Amazon. Boom, done, right? And we know Amazon's going to make the sale. That's what they do. So now maybe you have to look for another shoe retailer, and there are lots out there, and maybe give them a shot, and, and hopefully they'll do as well, uh, assuming you're in shoes. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, and, and the other, you know, I, had, I sent out an email today to FastX readers and um, a, a guy who I greatly respect. He's, he's a good friend. He's a big, big publisher. And he got back to me. He sort of he said, you know, I get where you're coming from with this whole Amazon thing and how you're going to deal with it. He says, my focus is, is just get out the really good content, build out as much traffic as you can. And if you focus on the traffic, the, the monetization solutions will appear. There are options. If you have lots of traffic, growing traffic, there are solutions, and you just have to take the time to, to try to find them. But traffic will solve generally all monetization problems, and to an extent, that's true. And so I think people do have options, but you, you may have to pivot your content strategy altogether and, and move away from being 80 90% affiliate dependent and move into – more content that works better with display ads. That's not going to be an affiliate play. You know, that that's something to consider as well. That's what I did years ago. I never regretted it. I, I love it. I used to do only affiliate. It never in my never crossed my mind to publish an article that wasn't a, a buyer intent keyword. I would think, well, why would anybody do that? Boring to, to write, but in my mind it was like that's what's going to make money. And then 
I, I tried display ads and I couldn't believe how much money they made with not a whole lot of traffic. And I thought, wow, I, I could literally write on any topic I want within the niche and monetize it. And off to the races I went, I never looked back. So those are my suggestions. I know they're not perfect solutions. There isn't one, but you know, at this point, you know, you've got to, you know, do your best to, to um, address it. Very good. And I think, I was one of those people who just focused on uh, affiliate content and I was, as you said, surprised at how well display ads do pay out. And, you know, I'll, I'm going to layer on a couple other ideas and, and I agree with the ones you said. There's no great solution, but I think uh, one great way to figure out what companies you could potentially start working with directly Number one, there's a few marketplaces out there, Commission Junction, Share of Sale. There's some big names out there that have a lot of products. So you could work with them. The other is to look to see who's running ads on AdWords or Facebook or Instagram. They have an ad budget already. They're spending money on ads, which could be a little funny in the next you know few weeks or so with COVID-19 still in play. But they're spending money. And if you know that you can reach out to that company, to the marketing department and say, Hey, I get 10,000 page views on this one site. And the intent is very much associated with your brand. Then I'm pretty sure they'll work with you and you could test it out. I mean, if you have traffic, like you said, John, that's an asset. You can figure out how to monetize it in the future. But if you have the traffic, you should be able to figure out something to do with it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. Just look, Look where the money is and, and you could fig- figure out, you know, who's going to work with you. So cool, John. Well, we're sort of wrapping up here. So any other, you know, parting thoughts, anything else going on you wanted to talk about with uh, the crew? No, that, that about sums up what's going on right now. Uh, just having fun, rolling up my sleeves and working hard on this stuff. Very good. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us and people can follow you at Fat Stacks blog. I'll put links to your blog and your income reports. And I will give a plug, you know, right here while we're sitting, I'm an affiliate for your courses, but they're very good. A lot of them are oriented towards, you know, some of the areas that I'm not as skilled in. So I'm actually going to go back and check out some of your courses, John, check out some of the display ad, you know, placement and some of the expertise that, that you offer in those courses. So I will um, put links for all that stuff and you you podcast, you're you're pretty active uh, with your podcast too, right? Fairly. Like I said, you know, some weeks very, some weeks nothing. Okay. Yeah. I popped over there the other day and there were like four or five days in a row. And I was like, man, this guy is a machine. (laughs) That's how I work, man. I know it's not, consistency is not my thing. I know it's bad. I I should, I should try to just get a schedule, but it's all right. I think sustainability and like your mental well-being and like being excited to actually talk about stuff like that's the most important part so very cool thanks john really appreciate it yeah thanks for having me doug talk to you soon john gave us some great tips and it's interesting to hear how people are dealing with all these changes in their business and just having to adapt in non-ideal situations. We don't have enough information to make really good decisions. So we just have to do our best and 
you know, not, not freak out. You got to not freak out. That's very important. And I'm, I'm not, I would, I don't know. I wouldn't call myself like a, someone that's slow to act or make a decision, but I usually don't react super quickly. I try to get a little bit more data, but as I just mentioned, we don't necessarily have that data available. So we just have to do the best that we can and not freak out. Don't make any crazy drastic decisions unless you know you have evidence that maybe it can be a good move. So with that said, I'll tell you about some of the perhaps more drastic things that I'm working on. So number one, I did put out more content within my course to serve the students that are out there. And one thing that I decided to do is I know there are a lot of people that found me from this podcast. A lot of people found me on YouTube and maybe they read the blog, but they never enrolled in the course because maybe they didn't need it. Maybe they didn't need that transformational course because they were already experienced and they just wanted to learn some other stuff from me, maybe scaling or some of the project management. So I can, I completely understand that. However, they also may want to check out the amendments that I've added to the course. So I am making it available for sale. I'll put a link in the description so you could check it out. And it's, I mean, I could just tell you now, cause I'm not planning on selling a ton of them or marketing it hard. It's mostly for the existing students, but basically I'm selling it for 67 bucks. So people can hop in, check it out. There are strategies for using display ads. There are strategies for adding other affiliate networks. And I will probably add to it over time as other other things come out. And basically we have you know more options out there. So like I said, I'll put a link in the description and it's really an amendment to the Five Figure Niche Site course. However, it would be completely valuable. It's not 100% standalone. Like if someone just rolled up and they didn't know anything about niche sites at all or affiliate marketing or display ads, they perhaps would be a little lost because I don't, I don't do any preliminary setup. It's just here are actionable items. It is set up a little bit kind of like John's courses where you get all the material all at once. You can consume it over a weekend and start implementing right away. You'll probably get some quick wins right away. And some other things are going to take you know, a couple weeks or a couple months, depending on how much effort you can put into it. So do check it out if you're interested. And it is, you know, one of those where I'm just like, okay, I'm going to put it out there and see if people are interested. The other thing that I'm working on is a huge brand new course with a blended monetization method. So there's going to be a lot more stuff content and me talking about it in general. And I'm most likely going to do a live challenge over the course of five days. So I really want to get people pumped up and involved. And even if the course isn't for you, for whatever reason, the challenge should be pretty cool. So I'm excited about doing that. As you might know, because I talk about live streams, even on the podcast, I've been doing more live streams and I've, I've been attempting to improve the quality of those live streams from both a content, the most important part, from a content standpoint and from a technical video standpoint. So I've finally figured out how to hook up my DSLR and use that on the live streams, which looks beautiful. I mean, it looks so nice. 
I am happy that I figured it out and sad that I didn't do it sooner. And the one thing that I'm missing right now, I should have it by, you know, by Monday um, coming up. You don't know what day it is when I'm recording this, but I should have it in a couple days. And it is an AC adapter for my DSLR, as you can imagine. If you're doing a live stream, you cannot change batteries while you are live streaming from your camera. So you need an AC adapter, which I don't know why I didn't get one before because there are times when I am shooting a course, for example, and I'm using a teleprompter and I don't want to go and change batteries when everything's all set up and ready to go. And it's, it's so stupid. I don't know why I didn't get it before. It's only 25 bucks, only 25 bucks to buy a AC adapter for um, my DSLR. So anyway, I am doing this brand new course, going to do the live challenge and all that stuff. And the the other thing is, and I've been talking about this for a while in you know mastermind groups that I'm in, and you know just some of my friends like John or Ron, and I'm going to do some of these smaller courses. You know, John inspired me to do a little bit of that, which I've, I've been sitting on, uh, you know, I've moved to a new home and I've been traveling, um, you know, when, back when we could, could travel, I traveled for a couple months in 2019 and I moved states in 2019. And then I moved again in, in the last uh, month here. So it's been very busy. It's been very hectic. And I just, haven't put in the time to develop those courses. And I have, I'm looking at a list on my, on my notepad right here. I mean, I have six ideas for courses that can be more bite-sized and some that are more of those flagship, just huge transformational kind of courses. So I will probably aim for some of the smaller ones up front to help blend and and give other offerings for, you know, people that are out there. Cause it, I'll be honest with you. I've taken a lot of courses in, in my day and I've, I've enrolled in a couple of the transformational ones, but those are things that I don't enroll in as often. It's way more likely for me to buy a course like John's where it's under $500 you can consume all the information pretty quickly and it solves a specific problem that you have in your business. One of the best, actually I'll mention two that were very good. One was a, a short copywriting course on just sales pages. It was sales pages for info products, basically. And it kind of walked you through the process. The other one was about evergreen funnels. So I knew that I wanted to put an evergreen funnel in place for my course, Five Figure Niche Site. If you're on my email list, you may be experiencing that evergreen funnel yourself right now. It was very interesting. There's a couple technical things to think about. Um, the course that I took walked you through what to do. It assumes, right? It assumes that you already have a funnel that works. You already have something that converts pretty well. And then they talk about what to do, um, best practices, mistakes that they made. And it was really, it was kind of funny. I was thinking about it just the other day. It was about an hour or an hour and 10 minutes of content. It was four or five videos maybe a thousand words of content and it was the sales and marketing 
director for a company and he turned on his webcam and did a screen share. It probably only took him a couple hours to put it together. I paid $300 for it and it was 100% worthwhile. It was, I mean, it could have been something that a person put into a blog post, right? Like I mentioned, the scope of the content wasn't huge, but it was very specific. And for me, I it was uh, by Ramit Sethi, I will teach you to be rich. And he, he didn't even do anything in the course, right? It was just his marketing director or whatever the operations person was that was talking about it, just outlining how they implement their evergreen funnels. So it was... It was an expert and I knew that I could trust the content because I literally bought courses from the Evergreen Funnel from I Will Teach You To Be Rich and I spent thousands of dollars there. So I knew that it worked and, you know, Ramit's fantastic in certain ways. He's also, you know, a little bit abrasive in other ways, but I I love his, I don't, I don't know, his overall, I don't know how to describe it should have uh, thought about this a little bit more ahead of time. But basically, I like a lot of the marketing stuff. But every now and then, I'm just like, I don't really agree with his point there. But it's just a, you know, a difference of opinion. But obviously, the guy's like, fantastically successful. So I can't complain about that. And I bought a bunch of his courses. So if you haven't checked out Ramit's funnel, by the way, go sign up. You'll learn a ton. And then to have the commentary from like an evergreen funnel type course is uh, pretty interesting. So anyway, I'm, I'm going to be putting out more courses. And just overall, I've been, you know, making excuses like I was <laughs> just earlier. I'm too busy. I traveled a bunch. I'm working on all these other things. And you know what? At, at this point, I'm like, this is a good time to pull apart my evergreen funnel, pull apart my tech stack. I kind of know what I want to do at this point in you know certain areas and how I want to design the funnel since I have a few years of experience with it. And I can go to a, you know, number one, a better technical solution, perhaps. I can also put more courses into the mix. And when it comes down to it from a business standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, I have customers out there. I have an audience out there that you know, potentially wants to work with me, wants to take the relationship to a different level versus just passively consuming information from a podcast or YouTube or the blog, and they want to actually implement. You you potentially, listener, fine listener out there, you want to implement something and you want you want to buy a course from me, perhaps, right? Not everybody, but there are people out there and I literally have just been you know, I have emails where people are like, I would buy a course if you covered blah, blah, blah. And I even, I've had a few false starts over the past uh, year where I was starting to put together information, starting to run a beta. And then I shut it down because, you know, ran out of time, you know, wasn't, it wasn't uh, fitting in with my schedule at the time. So now I am reinvigorated to, you know, put together this content and yeah, I'm pumped. I'm excited. So Anyway, let me close it out here. Check out uh, John's courses over there. Maybe you find something you like. He has a generous, actually super generous refund policy. If it's not a good match for you, just let him know. 
The other thing is I have the amendment to the five-figure niche site course. If you're a student of the course, you get it free of charge. You should have received an email last week about it. If you want to check out that course, there's a link in the description. And basically it is, um, you know, Amazon changed the commission. I can't remember the title, but it's not a good title because I'm not marketing it hard, but it is three units. There are templates. There are guides in there for other affiliate programs, display ads, working with companies directly and that sort of thing. And it walks you through the process. So you can check it out if you're interested. And other than that, I will just give you a, a little highlight, a little sneak peek and Next episode, next couple episodes coming up are going to be pretty cool. I have Matt Jevanisi is going to join me. And it's actually a rebroadcast of sorts because I did a live stream, an epic live stream where, you know, 150 people showed up live, one of my larger ones. And we talked about the commission rate change because it hit Matt really hard. He runs a very large website called Swim University. It's been around for about 15 years, pulls in, you know, multi hundred thousands of dollars and his estimation of the traffic hit due to the commission rate change is in the neighborhood of $176,000 of revenue loss. $176,000 of revenue loss. So a very significant problem for him that he is working on. So we talked through a lot of that. And then we did Q&A at the end. So I've actually divided this live stream into two episodes. It was so valuable. A lot of people listened to it. And I, I shouldn't be surprised because Matt's a well-known dude. And YouTube has you know far-reaching audiences out there. So people reached out to me that I was surprised would reach out to me. So I'll, I'll just put it at that. Maybe there's something I could share with you in the future about that. But anyway, next two episodes, Matt Giovanisi, moneylab.co, Listen Money Matters, and you know, avid beer drinker and brewer is going to be joining me on episodes 144 and 145. So be sure to check those out. They are uh, a great listen. Matt has so much energy and a huge personality. So it makes it kind of easy to have an engaging and awesome episode. Have a good day out there. Wash your hands. Catch you on the next one.